All right, let's open our uh, Bibles, if you brought them with you today, to Philippians chapter 2, and I'll be reading verses 1 through 11. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count ourselves more significant. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This is God's word. Thank you. i sorry, I thought you said September 4th. I was maybe, maybe you probably didn't, but my ears, I'm getting, getting old, the ears are going. Um... Would you pray this week? If you think about it, we have, we, our um, building project comes before the next hoop, next hurdle, which is the Board of Supervisors. This week, I think it's Wednesday, we are on their agenda. So we passed the uh, Planning Commission uh, a couple, a month or two ago. Now the Board of Supervisors, people have another opportunity, neighbors have another opportunity to go. We haven't heard that anybody has a problem with the project, but you know, we just want to keep it smooth. And then we have one more hurdle to go uh, later this fall. And then we can go. So we've hired a general contractor. We have, we are beginning to bid out things. So we are ready to move dirt and start the project as soon as we get that third approval. So we appreciate, I appreciate again, all your faithfulness and continuing to give what you pledged. At the end of this year, we will be asking for anyone who was not a part of Living Hope when we initially did our pledge a couple of years ago, um, if they want to participate in that, um, to do so. So you'll be hearing a little more about that. But anyway, just pray this week for the Board of Supervisors and all that procedure. Um, we finished the book of Exodus last week. We will begin the book of Galatians this coming week, uh, week from today. We will start uh, a study on that great epistle. I've never preached on that in the 15 years we've been here. And so we're going to go through that uh, in about couple of months. We're going to walk through uh, this sort of seminal uh, uh, book about being justified by our faith. So we'll start that. So I have this one week gap. And if any of you come to Living Hope often, you know, I don't usually preach a standalone sermon, but I figured you were already here. So you might as well want to hear something. So this is going to be relatively short, but I, I want you to hear my heart. Um, rather than being a, this is what you should do 
kind of sermon. I, I want to sort of open up my heart to you uh, where what I've been contemplating and thinking about over these months. Uh, several months ago, when the, uh, George Floyd was killed, we had a time of lament, a uh, time of repentance, uh, time to kind of come together for examination. Um, but we can't stop there. That can't be all we do as a church. And so I've been I've been contemplating for many years the racial brokenness in our nation and in our world. We're not unique. And trying to think, what do I do as a Christian? And whether I'm late to the game or not, maybe I am. Maybe it's driven by current events. But uh, I think uh, I want to, to just sort of tell you what I'm thinking. You don't, don't have to agree with me or think what I'm thinking. But I want to challenge you to, to examine your own hearts, even as I'm examining my heart. So I had this kind of a waking dream last night. It wasn't a, it wasn't a dream dream, but I was lying there thinking about stuff. And I had this dream that the uh, presidential debates began. And the first question came up, and the question, whoever the moderator is, is, uh, so what do you think about the racial problems in our nation? Like, okay. And so one of, one of the other of the candidates stopped, said, but that's a great question. Before you do that, um, the, the fine gentleman next to you and I want to issue a joint statement on that, because we are in a complete agreement. Why are you laughing? We want to, we want to issue this joint statement. And that is that we don't think the problem's going to be solved by government. Now the government can do things. We can institutionally try to stop things from happening, but we don't think government has the answer. No matter who is elected on the first Tuesday of November, we're not going to be able to solve that issue because it's a heart issue in the hearts of men and women. We think the Church of Jesus Christ, the two of us together, Don, What are you laughing? Joe, we together think that the church has a better solution and answer. So we're going to challenge them to model and lead us as a nation to a better place. Now, let's next question. Then I woke up and I was scared for November again. (laughs) Fill in your blank of what you're scared of, but. And I wish they would say that no matter what happens the first Tuesday of November, Christians should know that Easter Sunday is going to matter far more than the first Tuesday of November. And it will this November and it will in four years and eight years and 12 years. And I wish they would both say, Christians, put your trust in Easter Sunday, not November Tuesday. So what if they said that? What if they said, church, we challenge you to lead us in this? How are we doing? Because that's my concern. We can talk all we want about what organizations should be doing or what they shouldn't be doing. We can get all upset. I certainly do about what the government should or shouldn't be doing. But if the church, if that something like that would happen, maybe would the Lord challenge us? What does it look like? And even bringing it down from the church, you're the church. What if Joe and Donald said, and we particularly challenge Living Hope in Haymarket, Virginia, of all the churches in the nation, we challenge you to lead us and tell us how should we resolve this. And I'll tell you, I got scared and excited at the same time in this sort of waking dream because I don't think I'm doing so well. I don't know that I have an answer. 
Our church doesn't yet look like the kingdom of God, every race, tribe, and tongue, does it? It's to my shame. And yet, God isn't ashamed to call me his child and to lead me. So I just want to read you two passages of Scripture. This is going to be a very short sermon to reveal you my heart. And the first passage is not the one that Tori read, but it's, it is a epistle, chapter 2, 1 through 11, but pretty much the same verses, but it's uh, Ephesians, not Philippians. We'll read Philippians second. Listen to what Ephesians says. And this sort of goes to what Tony Evans, who will be teaching that class, he's really dealing with this issue, the, the second issue Philippians will deal with in a second. Ephesians 2, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body and the mind. And we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. That tells me that all of us are dead in our trespasses and sins. We are dead. And that the manifestations of sin are multiple. Racism is one of them, and it's an ugly blight on our world and our nation. And, but it's just one of, a many, of the manifestation of sin that comes in the heart and the institutions and all that, and it's ravaged us. But that the answer initially is going to be found in the human heart for all sin. To be killed because when we're dead, we pursue, it says, our own way. We pursue the desires of our body and mind. And people would enslave one another. It's horrific, but it is sin. And if you and I don't think we're capable of such sin, I don't think we know the depths of our heart's depravity. And the most enlightened here among us are capable of the most heinous of sins without the Holy Spirit regenerating us. And that's, I guess, point one I want to say is that my own blindness to my own position, I want to acknowledge it, that I don't see perfectly I see from my perspective, but just like I'm driving and I have blind spots if my mirrors aren't right, and that's where I'm going to get in trouble, is that I just want to acknowledge that there's a possibility I have some significant blind spots. So I want to be humble enough to look at that. Let's keep reading, though, because the good news starts after the bad news. The bad news has got to be really bad for the good news to be really good, because we're dead. We're not just corrupted we're dead in our trespasses and sins but god being rich in mercy this is ephesians 2 4 maybe two of the greatest clauses put together in the whole bible not leaving us dead not leaving us there but god being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespass, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. This, again, is the gospel. By grace, we've been saved. We want to think we're saved by doing good things. That makes sense to us. I say this all the time. It just it, it would be much more palatable to us if we did good things and good people get good rewards for good things. But the gospel is, by grace, you've been saved. 
And he's raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that's not of your own doing. It's the gift of God, not the result of work, so that no one would boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The Ephesian church was riddled with racism. It wasn't black and white for them. It was Jew and Gentile. But they there was there was a great deal of animosity. And Paul is addressing that to this church and he says, look, the ultimately the answer is this. And I'll I'll skip ahead a couple of verses to verse 13, Ephesians 2:13. Now in Christ Jesus you talking to the Gentiles who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ for he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances but that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. So the Bible's answer for any issue is that first and foremost, a relationship with Jesus Christ would break down the walls. Because when that starts and we begin to think, oh, from every race, tribe, and tongue, it's we're all pointing ourselves to Jesus this can begin the process. It doesn't solve every problem. But it, begin, it begins the process of true reconciliation with God first. Turn to Philippians chapter 2. I won't reread this because Tori did a beautiful job reading it this morning. But thinking about my blind spots and thinking about this, I've I've been really meditating on, and this verse, many of you know, verse 4. Well, we'll start with verse 3. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Oh, that we all from the highest in our land to the lowest would listen to that. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. And as I've asked the Lord, what does that mean for me? The second thing, considering and being open to my own possibility and truth of my blind spots, is considering others' significance and the significance of others' opinions and perspectives and experiences. Um, I serve on the board here of CCA, a trustee board. It's kind of an oversight board. And it's two black pastors and two white pastors. And we've taken the opportunity over the past months to have dinner together. And one of the questions on the table is, how do you see things? And I'll tell you, it's been really enlightening. 20 years ago, I was in seminary. Dr. Ken Ulmer was um, one of the visiting professors. He, he pastored at that time, I think he still does, one of the largest churches in the country. I don't know how big it is now, but it was about 16,000 at the time in, in L.A. And... Uh, at that time, it was called Macedonian Baptist. It's now called Faith Faith Baptist, I think. They bought the Great Western Forum where the Lakers used to play. The church bought it. But they didn't turn it into a church. They turned it into a community center 
the largest African-American owned. So this is a huge church, right? 16,000 people, hundreds of staff. He's incredibly articulate. And he was the first one that introduced me to what it was like as an African-American to get, he was going into his own building and got pulled over and arrested, basically. He didn't get arrested, but he got kind of put on the ground that he was his own, he was the pastor of the church. And, and he, he sort of shared what it was like for him. And he wasn't angry at the police or whatever. It was just like, I can't understand that. I can't do that. That was the first time I heard it. Talking with these two pastors. And, and I want to say one other thing. Ken, uh, Ken Ulmer introduced us. It was a small seminar of about 10 of us. And there was a various races in that room. And he said, uh, I learned the concept. It's a Korean concept of Han. And it's the concept of even though I was did nothing wrong, I still had a sense of shame that I was being arrested or was pulled over and handcuffed for nothing. And he said, why was I feeling a sense of shame? And I realized it was something sort of within me that I just, I couldn't, I didn't have my identity in Christ and somehow I was playing into what was going on and it was awful. And I, he asked us in the room, how many of you have sensed that? And none, none of, I did, I had never sensed it, but some of the brothers and sisters who I was in the class with had, and it was an interesting thing. Now going back to these trustee board people, one of the things I've really learned, and again, I'm revealing my heart. I'm not asking you to do anything with this other than hear my heart in this, is that hearing the two black pastors and the two white pastors our share our experience, the two of them have very, the two black pastors have very different experiences. One has had really no issue ever with anyone treating him any differently, and one's had several really bad experiences. And so everybody's experience is not the same, but listening to them and asking them questions, what is it like to not be in the dominant has been really revelatory for me. And it's been really good for me to hear. And I've done it. It's not like I've just done it this year, but I, so the second thing, in addition to sort of challenging us, do I have blind spots, Lord, what I don't see? Do I just get mad about the things that are roiling, many of which are bad in our society. It's not, you know, not all responses are created equal. I get that. In addition to I have blind spots, do you have people that you can ask who are either African American or, or Asian or Hispanic? You can ask, what's it like for you? Just what's it like? If you don't, I would challenge you to find somebody and, and, and talk to somebody about it. It's very, it's, it, it will, it may reveal something to you. Third thing is this, I don't want us to look to the world to either define the problem we have or the solutions, because I think the Bible does it beautifully. I really do. The problem and the solution. The problem is ultimately a hard issue that's woven its way into institutional issues. But the solution begins in the heart and will wind its way back out. If, if we will, I believe, take the Bible's counsel. We should embrace what the Bible says about forgiveness, asking for it and receiving it. We may have been done wrong. We, we may have need to be, people need to ask forgiveness of us. But we as Christians should lead in reconciliation and forgiveness. We should shun things that don't speak of the peace coming by the blood of the cross. That we should listen 
We should act with humility. And I believe if we counted others more significant than ourselves, we'd go a long way. I thought all of this in my own heart and thinking about it in my own mind and what practical steps, a few of which I've taken. But I'm going to post, if anyone's interested, I'm going to post some things I've been reading. Um, I think it's good for us to look at the history of our nation. I know some of you are like, Ugh, I don't want to think about that anymore. Maybe you know enough. That's fine. No, I'm not. Don't. I'm telling for me, it's been really good to read and make sure I'm aware of what other people have experienced. Not just 200 years ago, not just 100 years ago, not just 50 years ago, but just be aware. I read from people who are people of faith. Not that I shun everyone who's not a Christian, but brothers and sisters are writing in a different way with a redemptive healing quality that I really admire. And I'm going to post four or five authors that I've found aren't speaking condemnation. Some are speaking condemnation. That's not a gift from the Lord. The ministry of condemnation, that ministry is not from God. The ministry of reconciliation and forgiveness, even while facing things that I'd rather not face, has been really redemptive and really, really good. Because they give you a place to stand, we stand together at the foot of the cross where the ground is level rather than one above another. So that and uh, reading and watching some things that have really provoked great discussion so I'll post some resources. If you're interested, watch them, read them. If you're not, go on. But I want to counsel us not to give in to anger, not to give in to frustration and hopelessness. The gospel is nothing if not filled with hope. For us as individuals, all races, stripes, and color, my prayer is that our body would look more like the kingdom of God Frankly, I'm conf- I don't know quite how to get there. I'll just tell you, I'm, I'm, I don't have the answers as to how to get there. We're, I want to pray about it. I, wanted, I, I, I would like to in my little world. I can't change the world, everything in the world. I can't change every policy or government. But I can deal with my heart, my family. I can make some influence in our church. I don't know what that looks like. I pray you want us to be more like the kingdom of God. And I don't know exactly how that will all play out. But I want us to be soft and so that if a year from now, whoever is the president says, and let's check in and see how that Living Hope Church that we challenged on that first debate, how are they doing? They say, well, they look a little more like the kingdom of God a year from now than they looked last year. And I'm not just saying, oh, well, there's some people of various race ethnicities that attend. Are our hearts softened? Are we doing the things that make us people who are healers and builders and reconcilers and truth-tellers in our community? Uh, or are we, like, hunkered down when seeing the enemy and fighting the enemy? Because the enemy's the devil. It is. It's not even the political parties that we may vehemently disagree and think they hold wrong positions. You're the political party you don't like, or both of them if you don't like either of them. But the enemy's the devil who wants to, and I I love what Tony Evans said in his thing, he said, disunity creates dishonor. And I think of it in the church. The world's not going to have the answer. I expect the world to act like the world. I expect non-Christians to get upset and hostile, and that's what the world does. They don't have another answer, but Christians do. And as believers in Christ, let's honor God by doing what we can to build unity, starting with examining our hearts, by thinking about the gospel, 
by examining our blind spots and by explicitly asking people who've experienced things that maybe we don't want to hear, but just listen without without comment or without judgment of what what they've experienced, um, you know, in their lives. It, it's it, it'll help. I really do think it will. Thank you for listening to my heart. Again, take or leave whatever things, action points that you feel. But I want us to be a body that um, would take the challenge if only the candidates would give it to us. But let's take it anyway, because I think Jesus gives it to us. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I thank you for the uh, the grace of living hope to allow me to just pontificate for a few minutes on this subject. Lord, I hesitate in doing it. It's not something I really like doing because I think that um, I feel more confident just going through your word and trying to do that and, and expositing that alone. But Lord, there's times when to uh, the stumbling, bumbling journey I'm on to try to see the the posture of God toward the alien and the poor and the widow, the orphan, the outcast, the marginalized, those those 2,300 verses in the Bible that speak of something like that, Lord, that that would make an impact on us, that your heart is for reconciliation, justice, to pick up those who are struggling and to help. And Lord, let our hearts be softened by your word. Let us not be angered by or even encouraged by the world's noise, but to be completely challenged and our hearts made alive by your word challenging us because it and it alone is what will last and what will actually render change. So, Lord, we love you. Thank you for leaving us your word. Thank you for coming for us and reconciling us to one another after you reconciled us to yourself. Lord, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.